Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 246. My name is John Morgan. Happy to be home in Las Vegas this week, even though it is a big, big fight week. Cole Coffee is with me, but he is stuck in that fight week grind right now. So he's going to sit off to the side right now and hopefully join us a little later. I've got a couple other friends with me in the meantime. Oscar Willis from the Mac Life is here. Hello, hello. Nice to see you as always, my friend. And sober, by the way, right now. So that's <laughs> a good thing, too. Not, not, not like I saw you earlier this week. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, Simon Head has made the trip over across the pond from MMA Junkie. And do you just want to rattle off how many places you're working for this week? RT Sport, BBC Sport, Paddy Power, The National, Abu Dhabi. Good Lord. You whore. <laughs> <laughs> you pay this man and he will write for you. It doesn't matter where your outlet is. I work hard for the money. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to see you work. It's glad to see you over here and, and working for us. Obviously, it's been great to have you on the team. But uh, just so people know, that man is always on the hustle trying to get, trying to, trying to get the bills paid. So, uh, first of all, let's just say where we are. Uh, it is fight week. It is UFC 245 fight week, which is awesome. I think we're all fired up about that. But tonight... Thursday night, as we always do. We're actually sitting down inside the Red Rock Casino Resort. Beautiful Red Rock Casino Resort. Indeed. And, and, and we got VIP access right here because, look, I've been – I know probably an unhealthily amount of excitement uh, looking forward to this Quintet Ultra that's going on tonight. I think part of it – I mean, we're sitting here in the ballroom. The setup is still going uh, on right now. It's going on around us, and uh, we won't spend a ton of time talking about it because it will be – by the time most people listen to this, it will already happen. But at least <laughs> know that it's on Fight Pass. As we're sitting here, you know, the mat is, is over here. It's all ready. But I'm, I'm looking at the board. I just think – to me, I think as, as, a, as a fight fan – it's just seeing those logos, seeing that old WC logo out there, seeing that Pride logo out there, seeing the Strike Force logo out there. Uh, man, we were talking to the teams last night, like seeing all the old Strike Force guys wearing their gear. And um, I don't know, man. This I feel like this is one of those kind of fantasy events we always used to talk about as fight fans and, and wanted to make happen. And the UFC is finally going, well, hell, we own these brands. Why don't we do something with them? Yeah, I mean, it's all puns intended. There's a there was a lot of uh, guys out there yesterday who had a lot of pride in their in their former oh, former promotions, right? Simon Head yeah. delivering the pun. Ding. Um, yeah, no, it, like just just the joy in the faces of some of those guys. See what they can do. <laughs> <laughs> you put, you're trying too hard. Oh, okay. You're trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like just watching some of them. You know, some of these guys have not competed in a long, long time. Right. Some of them are, are quite fresh off competition. Some are itching to get back into it. So you have got this really interesting mix. But they're all just so chilled out and relaxed. They're bantering with each other. You know, they're throwing shade at each other for their weight. And, yeah. You know, it was for anybody who's just who's only real experience of watching martial arts, mixed martial arts, is watching interviews on MMA Junkie or the Mac Life, um, and um, then watching the fights on TV. You're missing out on on a much bigger picture. And yesterday, we really got a sense of. Just the personality of these guys, completely away from the white-hot heat of having to smash each other's faces yeah. in. This time, it's grappling. It's competitive, and they're going to be super competitive once they're up there on the mat later. But it's also fun for these guys. and getting, it's, you know, I think uh, Chad Mendes said about the WEC team, it's like getting the band back together. That's right. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the feel of it. And like, you know, me and you have been talking ever since that. Ever since the weigh-ins yesterday, we're buzzing for this event. I, I like it. It was kind of fun the way we did the interviews yesterday because they just kind of scrummed as a team. But that kind of made it fun because everybody's kind of bantering with each other a little bit. And like you said, they're relaxed. It's not like the night before a fight. You know, it's the night before a grappling match. But they're still competitive. And 
it is, you mentioned Chad Mendes recently retired. You know, King Mo recently retired, yet he's back. So it, I don't, it's, it's kind of a cool way to, see, to, to allow these people like that, that we're familiar with and that we like watching fight to, to still take part. You know, I mean, King Mo's out there busting chops. They announced the weight. They announced the weight for the team because they just announced a, a total team weight is the way it works. You have to be under 950 pounds as a five-person team. They announced the, the uh, strike force weight. And, and King Mo's just like, most of that was Babalu. Just so right <laughs> now. You know, this, you know, this busted chops, having fun. And I don't know, man. It's, it's a cool setup. Well, I definitely think you, you guys both sort of mentioned it there that, you know, the day before a fight, they're tense. Right. There's some serious stuff about to happen tomorrow. For this, it's almost a hybrid, right? They get to have that sense of competition. But, you know, some of these guys aren't really like solid. You know, they're not grappling experts you know it's just they're here for the fun so it's nice for them i think to probably compete without the thing of like well if i lose it has serious consequences right if you lose here it's, it's a you know an admission of like just a bit of fun and know? i yeah. like what they did today too because as you said these are mixed martial artists right like you know you talk about like the ultra high level grapplers like a gordon ryan i mean gordon ryan came in on one of these events before and ran the table on a bunch of <laughs> mma guys it's almost unfair it's like, it yeah. is it's unfair but it it's like you know it's it, it's the same as if gordon ryan went and did an mma fight right now i know you know he would be a fish out of water right now. It's a little bit different. So uh, I, I'm just glad the way they set up. So I, I'm excited to watch tonight play out. Uh, I, so by the time most people listen, this will be over. But check it out on UFC Fight Pass because uh, I'm, just, I'm just laying a prediction now. I think it's going to be fun to watch. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. We are here for UFC 245, though. This is a big fight week, man. I know that, you know, we throw the term out there, you know, stat car. This is a great lineup. But, dude, this lineup top to bottom I, I, I think is, is – I don't want, it, it's always hard to say the best ever or as good as it gets, but I mean, I can't imagine any reason to complain about this fight card. Yeah, what I have to say is when you're a guy working the media day, um, some fans might know this, it, it, it's a bit of a pressure to get from one person to the next. You want to get everyone before the, they, they wrap it up. And when it's a card like this, it's almost that like you don't realize how stacked it is until you suddenly realize, okay, I've got four more people. I've, how, I've got four more people to get on this side of the card, and then I've got four. And then you suddenly realize, like, wow, Faber's a big name. Peter Yan's got a fan base, you know. And you just realize yep. quickly that, you know, Mike Perry's on the card. Jeff Neal's interesting, you know. And you realize quite quickly that, oh, actually, this is layered all the way down, top to bottom. I mean, there there are some cards. I mean, listen, we're hardcore, and I'm super hardcore. Like I can, you know two debuting fighters, sometimes I'll be like, I'm keyed up because let me tell you about where this guy came from or what the story is. I understand not everybody's going to be there, you know what I mean? But to me, you go all the way down the prelims. I mean, look, Viviane Araujo versus Jessica I. I mean, that's a big fight in there. That, that's, that's right there. Kai Car France versus Brandon Moreno. That's a big fight there. Chase Hooper, you know, the developmental deal guy is coming in. The the kid in there who was not intimidated by Daniel Tamer at yeah. all, jumping at him. Oh, you know? yeah. That Dana a, White was twitching during that, <laughs> that, that face-off. That was fun. If, if anybody hasn't seen this, I actually left that in our face-off edit because Tamer, who's a bit of a character, he does that a lot where he'll jump at somebody. And maybe Hooper was ready because Hooper certainly didn't back away. But Chase Hooper, the teenage dream, I mean, he looks like he's about 12 years yeah. old, right? Uh, and so Tamer, I mean, he, he is a lot taller than Tamer, but Tamer went in there and, and kind of flinched at or whatever, and, and I, I left it in our edit of the face-offs where Dana, like, afterwards, like, I got to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just kind of backed away, like, ah, oh, what are these two nice-looking guys going to yeah, yeah. do? And then, yeah. I think I flinched more than, more than Chase. <laughs> yeah, right. I, actually, I was at the back of the ring. Like, oh, good. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this card. Let's get right into it. Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington is the main event of this stacked card. Three title fights at the top of it. Uh, welterweight title, of course, on the line. 
this is a fight that I know me personally I have wanted to see for a long time. I mean, they've kind of had these uh, similar paths up to the top. They've been on similar trajectories. And, um, you know, now you've got the, the added benefit of this heat behind it, this rivalry, which does add to it a little bit. But I want to get your guys' perspective because um, – and, I, you know, I, I trust both your your guys' opinion a lot. And I'm having a hard time getting a bead on exactly what Colby Covington is doing right now. Now, mm. I, I've said all along, anybody that listens to the Roadshow knows, I've been a big Colby Covington supporter from the beginning. I was I was there for his UFC debut in Macau, and, and I got to inter, uh, interview him there. And I've, I've always just liked him. He's polite. He's professional. Uh, I know that his fighting style might not be the most exciting to everybody, but to me, you know, great wrestling and incredible cardio is impressive to me. I mean, the fact that you can literally just break another human being's will because they can't keep up with you, that means something to me, and, and I like it. Then he kind of adopted this character, and I get it. I mean, you've you got you to entertain people. You definitely do. You've got to get people to care. Then I thought he – he started going too far, you know, similar to the way that, hell, in the past I've said I think Conor McGregor went from entertaining to this gangster thing that I didn't like. And, you know, the, the, the comments about, you know, Glenn Robinson and how that affected his family, I mean, it started to all go a little too far. But now it's weird. Like, I feel like both guys are kind of dialing it back a little bit this week, which maybe makes sense. Like, the fight's done. Uh, it's happening. Maybe there's no need to, you know, to be stressed out and, and, and going into a matchup like this. But Colby also did that interview where he kind yeah. of admitted that he that he made it up, and um, I, I, I'm, I don't know if Colby Covington's lost his way <laughs> or I've just lost track of the plot, uh, and, and, I, and I don't know if that matters at all in terms of the actual fight. But what, 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 what do you guys think about Colby? Well, I, I thought it was interesting. He did that interview with uh, Candace Owens where he said, oh, I, I had to make this character. And he was very candid. I made a character to affect my career. Okay. But then today we said... I said to him, you know, you're almost walking back this character. He went, well, I don't know why people keep talking about this character thing. I'm just being myself, just turned up a little bit. Well, it was like, well, you're a character or are you not? You know, it right. seems like he doesn't really know. And I found, you just said there, John, I found the heat, the heat is there in terms of their styles. It's so interesting. The fight itself is going to be so interesting. But it definitely feels like both of them are just taking their foot off the gas a little bit in terms of lobbying, like verbal abuse at each other and stuff. Like that. It really feels, and I think maybe you're right, that they're going to fight. They're going to fight on Saturday. At this point, we don't need to do right. any of the rest of it. Why, why continue to, yeah. to, to act, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think on both sides of the coin, you've got two very different two very different stories. I think Usman is just keeping everything under control because given the things that were said, especially you know with regard to, to his... Uh, his I mean, lest his we forget, manner. these guys got physical in the palms not so long ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, Colby has tried to push Kamaru's buttons and, and has... Has overstepped the line. I don't think there's anybody who would who would deny that. Right. Um, and it would be very easy in Usman's position to really be absolutely have a fire lit under him about this. And he has gone out of his way to to sort of be as chilled as possible. Media day today, athlete panel yesterday, super calm. And I think that that is I think him being as professional as he can. The most important thing he can do is win the fight on Saturday. Right. Right. He wins the fight. Colby as a as a as a challenge as a story with regards to him is basically finished right right so that's what he's focusing on as for Colby I'll be honest I think he's run out of road at this stage right it's it's kind of it's kind of seen its course the idea initially adopt this persona because he was worried about getting cut he did the whole filthy animals thing after the Damien my fight and then it got out of control it got out of control at the athlete panel yesterday fun Colby came out Right. We had Fun Colby, and Fun Colby was good. He was still being, you know, 
Mr. Drop the, uh, that was the debut of the Street Judas line. Street Judas. Street Judas was a good one. Street Judas. And all that. No, that, that is fun. And I think people can buy into that. And he got a decent reception from the crowd. He was having a bit of, having a bit of fun and it was all good. I think, he's, I think he knows that he's overstepped the line, but he can't bring himself to say it publicly. Right. And I think he knows he needs to just tailor, just, just t- taper it back a bit. But also, I, it's I, mission accomplished for him. He's got the fight he wants. Now, all the, all the bright suits, the Trump books, the MAGA hats are going to do nothing for him tomorrow night. He now has to go in there and, and rely on the one thing that, that, that gets you somewhere in this fight sport when you get to the top. And that's, you know, you've got to win. Yeah. And he's got the ability to do it. It's a very interesting matchup. But now, all of the all of the hoo-ha and the drama and all the rest of it, really, that's all irrelevant at this point. They're going to get in a cage, they're going to shut the door, and they're going to they're throw fists at each other for 25 minutes. And whoever wins, they win. The big story for me is going to be what happens with Colby after the fight, regardless of whether he wins or loses. Right. Because I think if he wins, there's an argument that he could, he could kind of turn it up a little bit more. And then... Uh, you know, he, he can sort of carry on. But if he loses, really, there's not not that much to gain by persisting with it. It's pretty hard to keep that persona going on if you lose, right? Well, also, I think it, Simon said it, he's running out, like the, the road sort of running out on him. Hmm. Not even politically. I'm just saying that at this point, the Trump shtick has been done to death. Like, right. yeah. he, even if I was a big Trump guy, I'd be like, okay, I'm kind of bored of like the set, like the same. I've seen that fucking book like 400 times now. <laughs> Always on chapter <laughs> one as well. By the way, how well did he do? Yeah. Who was it that asked him like to explain a concept? Dan, Dan Shapiro. Dan Shapiro asked him to explain a concept in the book, and I will give credit. And this goes to show that Kobe does have some smarts. You know, he weaves his way out of his like, oh, feet. Normally, I like to spoil things for people, yeah. but this is just such a quality book. You really yeah, need yeah. to read it. Which yeah. I thought, I because th- he's usually one of his one of the, his faults is he's not that great right. at the ad lib. So I even I was at the back there and went, okay, fair play. That was quite good, Kobe. But my point is, I I think his shtick has become tired in the sense that it's just been done a lot and he's so relentless at it as right. well you know maybe I actually think maybe if he did more interviews more re- like today he was very relaxed at media right. day if he, he really did, was if yeah. he peppered those in throughout the year we wouldn't be s- I, I mean personally I'm quite bored of it all just in the sense of I've seen it all so I am interested to see what he does I do think if he wins he'll be emboldened and he'll just carry on because why wouldn't you especially with Masvid alright you're going to do the same sort of stuff but if he loses I don't think Everyone compares him to Chael. Chael could lose. Chael was charming enough. Chael, Chael could lose and, and come out better. I don't think Colby can. No, I think that's I'll, a great point. People, people hate him. The one, <laughs> yeah. The one thing I was going to say, like as a, <laughs> yeah, as a as a journalist and a reporter, the thing that interests me the most now is, okay, we've seen the shtick, and he's now told us why the shtick actually came into being and all the rest of it. I now want to. I now want to. I want to talk to Colby Covington. I don't want to talk to. Maga man, I want to talk to Colby. <laughs> right, I want to talk to Colby Covington. I That'd be a good stick for him. Maga man, <laughs> cape and a bright, bright orange. Comes out with some bricks spandex. and a trowel, and he's building a tower. Uh, t- builds a wall around the octagon. Uh, <laughs> only fights Mexicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, so ridiculous. But but I I want to know. I want because I've sat, I, I spoke to you, John, in the week, like. We've sat in on in, I've sat in on interviews like the Wednesday interviews you do with Junkie when like he's been over and fought in Europe in the past, and I've sat in on those interviews and I've I've heard him as he as he actually is, and I I, I tried to strip some of that away today and I'm like, you know, just tried to get a little bit of realism from him and he's, he he does the same thing that he probably told everyone. 
you know, I am being real, I am being real. And then he went off and he started saying about how much he loved his country mm-hmm. and how much he loved the military and how much he loves going and meeting the troops and, you know, all it. that that is the real Colby. Because he loves going on those visits. Mm-hmm. He loves going and doing that stuff. And I know he's well-received when he does it. But it's kind of clouded because he's turned everything up to 11 in the old pro wrestling parlance. And it's got him where he needs to be. But now all of that counts for Diddley. He needs to go in there and, and win a fist fight. Well, and, and after that, really, if he's a world champion, he doesn't need the shtick anymore because he's a world champion. If he loses, he's run his course with the shtick anyway. So arguably... He should probably sit down and just sort of just taper himself off. He's at the top of the game now. Just be you and let people realize. Just just let people learn about you. People will be more interested in you as well. Well, listen. If he comes out and does to Usman what he did to Robbie Lawler, cool. shtick or not, he's, he's one, the, of, the be- one of the best in the imagine? world. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. he like, yeah. I, and I actually think it's reached the point now where Colby's act has take is taking away from his ability yes. as a fighter. Absolutely. Because there was, as soon as that fight with Robbie Lawler finished, I went. Well, what can you say, man? The guy is... That was amazing. And then he goes, oh, Matt Hughes deserves to get hit by a train or something, whatever bullshit he said. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, and then you ruined it. <laughs> you it's not true, man. People under, no one's talking about his... Yeah, yeah. You know, then you ruined it. So People if he, if he comes... if I think we've all reached the same conclusion. If he comes out here and he wins, I guess you kind of have free reign to do what you want at this point because you're winning. But yeah, as soon as he loses... Yeah. All right, well, listen, there was a big crowd around Kobe Covington today, but I did slip in for a couple of minutes of conversation with him. So here's uh, a few minutes of the reserved, uh, more calm Kobe Covington. I see myself as the entertainment. This is the entertainment business, so I'm, I'm here to entertain all the peons and, and put on a good show for the fans. Where do you get a jacket like that? Did you have that custom made, or did you find that somewhere? Where do you get that? Of course I got that custom made. You know, custom made head and toe always. You know, I got that in Miami for my boy Luigi Girardi. He makes me some great suits. I also have another great suit maker, Mark Russell, in uh, Boca. So, you know, I'm covering all of South Florida from Boca to Miami. Talk about your kind of emotions right now. I mean, this has been such a tense buildup, right? But you seem pretty relaxed and, you know, kind of feeling okay right now. So what is emotion? I mean, is this intense? Is this a rivalry? Or what's the feeling? No, I wouldn't say it's a rivalry, you know, it's just, you know, it's just what Dan Lambert wants. I'm Dan Lambert's hitman, so he wanted me to come out and put a hit on this dude, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm relaxed, I'm confident, I feel great, and Saturday night, I'm going to unify my world title. Obviously, it's clear you guys don't necessarily like each other, but putting that aside, I mean, just X's and O's, what does it take to win this fight? Because a lot of people see similarities in the game, you know, wrestling, strengths, cardio, that sort of thing, so what's it going to take to win this fight? There's a reason that people call me the cardio king, you know, and he's got to find that out Saturday night that he can't hang with my pace. And not only that, you know, I have a lot of haters in the world that he's thinking that he has fans because those haters are, are cheering for him, but they don't really care about him. He's irrelevant, he's boring, and the only thing lamer than his fighting style is his personality. Talk about your preparation. It's, it's clear that you've made some enemies at the camp at ATT. So the preparation, was it difficult? Was it hard to get, you know, the rounds in you needed, the partners you needed? What, what was it like for you? Man, training camp was amazing. This is the best training camp I've had, the best I've ever felt, you know. My head coach, Conan Silvera, you know, he's the head coach of the American top team. He did a good job of separating everybody and putting everybody on their own time schedules. And he brought in specific training partners to train for the style matchup. And, you know, I've never been more ready for a fight. You took a lot of criticism this week for the the Candace Owens interview that you did. I'm curious, why did you peel back the curtain a little bit? Why why did you make the choice, you know, this close to your world title fight to, to let people know you know, this is kind of how this was all born and how it all came together. 
You know, because I'm always real, you know, just like Donald Trump says, truth is a force of nature, and I always spit truth and facts, and, you know, this, that's the real me, you know, I'm just turning it up to 11 in my interviews, you know, because I knew I needed to do something and change something to make more money in this sport, so, you know, if people have a problem for the way I went about my, my business, that's their problem, not mine. So if people say you're playing a character, like, what do you, what do you think when you hear that? I'm not playing the character. I'm just being real, you know. I think that they don't know what they're talking about. I think that, you know, I'm just turning up to 11. I'm not afraid to speak my mind and speak what I really think inside, you know. Before, I was keeping those thoughts in because I was worried about how people would judge me, how the media would react, how the UFC would judge me for it. Now I don't give a shit, you know. I could care less what they think of me, you know. You know, the, at the end of the day, I'm what's good for this sport, and, you know, I'm making money for this company. And it worked, and it got you here. So I'm curious, you know, you win the title on Saturday night. Like, do you still feel the responsibility to, to keep that same energy, so to speak, to, to, to still be this brash, this outspoken? Or, or can you, at that point, can you settle and go, I got the belt, I got the contract I need, and, you know, I, I don't have to be as outspoken? Uh, you know, I'm just going to be myself always, you know, I, I can't say if I'm going to do one thing or not, you know, I'm just going to be real, you know, and that's what I've always been is real, you know. Maybe I'll turn down some of the post-fight antics a little bit, but, you know, this is the entertainment show business for a reason, and I'm here to put on a show for the fans, and it's not just when you fight, you got to entertain them year-round, and that's why fans love me so much. I think a lot of people believe that you're in Usman's head, you know, that he's really, really angry. Do you feel like this is, that you've won the game of mental warfare, that maybe, you know, it's going to affect his performance on Saturday? It's funny you say that, because that big old fucking head with that 30% hairline still left, I own all the real estate in that head. And, and you know, it's crazy, because all the realtors have been calling me this week asking for land in that head, but I'm not selling any until after December 14th. When you were at the face-offs there in uh, New York, and he took his shirt off, did you feel that, that you got the best of him at that point? Yeah, for sure. Who's ever taken their shirt off at a, at, a, at a press conference, you know, a month and a half before the fight? That's the first time it's happened in UFC history, you know? He was just trying to show off his physique of, of his EPO-filled system. He says he's relaxed. He's no longer thinking about, you know, what you do, your antics. You think that's an act? What's that? I think that's an act. When he says, like yesterday at the, at the athlete panel, he said he's more relaxed than he's ever been. He's not worrying about you or your shtick. You think that's an act? That's definitely an act. You know, he's he's shaking in his boots right now. He knows when he loses to me on Saturday night, he's literally going to become irrelevant. Let's talk about the only time he's ever been relevant is when he attaches his name to my coattails. The only time he's ever people have cared about him, the media or talked about him, is when he puts up a video or tweet about me. So this Saturday, I'm going to detach him from my coattails, and no one's going to ever care about him anymore. Why did it take so long to make this fight? Because he had to get the EPO out of his system. You know, after the the Tyrone Woodley versus uh, his Marty Fake Newsman fight, Dana came up to me and said, you're next, I promise you, no matter what. And that, that's another thing why I'm at odds with them. Another unfulfilled promise. Then they came to me with the ruthless Robbie Lawler fight, and they said, you have no choice. You either fight Robbie Lawler, or we'll, we'll just freeze you out and you'll never fight again. So, you know, it's taken a long time because Marty Fake Newsman had to clear that EPO out of his system. Those EPO accusations you've made quite a bit. I mean, can you tell us what information that you have that we don't? Because obviously he hasn't failed a USADA test, at least that we know of. I mean, we're, we're not aware of anything like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of secondhand uh, knowledge. You know, a lot of his teammates have told me that. And, I mean, look at his physique. Look at the, look at the fight in the Emil Meek fight when he gassed out in three rounds and then he, he goes five hard rounds with Tyrone Woodley. I mean, it's night and day different person. But, you know, and USADA, you know, they don't even test. They didn't even test me one time leading up to this fight. And, I mean, I, they know I'm clean. That's probably why they didn't test me. But where's the testing, you know? Like, 
I mean, I love USADA, I love Jeff Nowitzki, but come on, guys, let's be honest. USADA works for the UFC, so you really think that the UFC is gonna gonna pull a main event or test a guy that could potentially fail their test and ruin their business? I don't think so. Did you think about asking for an EPO test? Did you think about saying, hey, can you guys do this? I did ask for it, you know, I, I asked extensively to USADA behind, you know, in emails and whatnot, and, you know, I was hoping they were going to do it. I was willing to pay 25 grand to, to Usman if he could piss, piss clean in a cup in New York, but he couldn't do it. He just completely avoided the subject. I brought it up twice to him, and he just acted like he couldn't even, he couldn't even deny it. So, I mean, I, I think it showed his reaction at the press conference. He's obviously on steroids. That was Colby Covington chaos. All right, let me ask you one thing real quick, guys, to kind of wrap this up. Um, I, I, you know, make a pick if you want, but I, I actually lean towards Kamar Usman in this. And I, I will say this, uh, and I think you touched on it a lot, Simon, in, in the fact that, you know, I think the big concern was can Kamaru keep his, his, his emotions in check? And to me, it seems like he has been able to do that. Now, will that change? I, I don't know. But it seems like, you know, they stood face-to-face -face today for the first time. And, you know, Usman went out his way to kind of smile a little bit and, and, and keep his – so I think he's going to keep his, his demeanor there. But the, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys is, for business sake, for interest sake, what, what would be better? Because I, I – I, you know, if, if Usman wins this fight, I struggle to think what the next – massive fight is for him you know like I know Masvidal of course is becoming a huge star and, and, and man what a year this has been for him and, and 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 Dana White's been hinting that you know maybe he deserves a shot at the welterweight title and I guess the fact that Masvidal would be in a title fight would, would be big it would certainly sell but the idea of Masvidal versus Covington you know for the title these these two former friends turned foes mm -hmm. and and uh i don't think uh masvidal is going to accept the uh oh bro i was just making a character like yeah, we're, we're good quite. so i from a business perspective which i don't really i mean i don't care what, what the ufc makes or not but i'm just saying for us it's good for, yeah, good good for traffic for us, right? yeah. yeah exactly from a business perspective right i mean that's got to be the is or is there is there something that you see for usman if he wins that, that would that would keep his star growing well not only will i say that masvidal covington would be massive I actually think that as soon as if Covington wins, Woodley's back on the table. Mm. That rivalry didn't go anywhere. Now, admittedly, Woodley would probably need to win because everyone's got the memory of his last sort of lackluster performance in mind. Right. But he wins a fight. That's a great fight too, I think, Colby. And they've got some unfinished business. As you said, Usman, especially with his style, right? You know, it, when I think of Usman versus Masvidal, for example, I think of that smothering wrestler against the cage. And it could end up being the fight that Askren could have done to Masvidal, you know? Or it could end up not. But so I, I definitely agree that in terms of business, Covington has more sort of roots you can take. Mm. And Usman, I think, if Usman wins, you're, you, you're possibly on the cusp of a really dominating champion who might end up being criticized for being a bit safer, a bit boring. And I think you're on the cusp of sort of one of those reigns for four or five fights. So in terms of business, I think Covington would be better for the promotion. Yeah. Can't argue with that because it's blindedly obvious. I mean... All, all due respect to Kamaru, I mean, he's 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 a very marketable champion if you think about it. You know, he's he's got a great story. He's representing Africa, which is an area that the UFC are still looking to True. branch out, that branch into. That yeah. part's big. That's big. That part's That's big. Really big. Um, so from that side of things, I think Kamaru could be a really valuable uh, commodity for the UFC with a belt over his shoulder. But from a pure fan standpoint and attracting pay per view buyers, obviously Colby is the draw because. Yeah. And I was talking. I was talking to. Uh, I was talking to but, but is Colby the draw? Or is it the fights you can put Colby in that's the draw? Well, I think 
the way Colby has conducted himself and arranged his career over the last two years, I don't know if it matters that much. You put him against anybody with a half decent name, mm. they're gonna they're gonna be interested. You know, I was I was talking to Goes and uh, Richard Hunter just before media day started, and we were talking about it, and it was like the worst thing you can have as a as a pro fighter is apathy yeah, from the fans. What, well, precisely, you, you know, and and. What what you just said about Usman as a, as a dominating champion, there's a danger of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an argument that Demetrius Johnson suffered a little bit from that. No question. Right? So, oh, sure. you know, through no fault of his own, he's just too good for the competition. And Kamaru might have all the answers for everybody on 170. We don't know. But for Colby, everyone's going to be invested in it because either they love the larger-than-life character or they're going to want him to see, see his, his face smashed in. So, <laughs> but either but either way, people are going to want to watch. Yep. Like my Uber driver now wants to watch the fight <laughs> because I talked to him about him and explained it all to him on the way. Well, I have to say there was something quite stark in you know a guy wearing sort of traditional Nigerian dress and a guy wearing Trump stuff. Oh I was like, well, they, I mean, if you're gonna, tr- I I think that's another thing as well. Perhaps we don't think about Colby actually on a media day with Colby Covington. You get some sort of different outlets that you don't usually get because they just want to ask him about Trump. You know, you get these like really mainstream people that's coming true. to ask him, and. I don't know how much the mainstream people care, but for Dana White and people like that, when you have Covington, you always have a chance the first family's going to come or Trump might even attend, and that is... That's big. That's Politics big them, aside, you know? yeah, man, that's, that's big. That's big. So I think, yeah, I think he, he Covington has that, and I think you're right that he sort of entices a few more eyes. Than we'll finally get some resolution on Saturday night, no, man. No. I'm excited for that. All right, let's talk about the co-main because this card is loaded. Max Holloway puts his featherweight belt on the line against Alexander Volkanovsky. And uh, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on this because I'm, I'm intrigued by this fight. I'm very, very intrigued by it. I mean, Max Holloway, dominating champion, no question about it. I think arguably the greatest featherweight of all time. I think the worst you could say is he's second greatest <laughs> yeah. of all time. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, obviously, Connor doesn't count because he's just the greatest, period. Oh, so, you know good. what good I mean? Say, John, thanks yeah, for that. that asterisk there. I mean, you didn't have to say yeah. that. We knew that's what you meant, but it's good that you clarified. <laughs> just wanted to clarify that. Uh, but, no, listen, I mean, uh, he is incredibly dominant. And, you know, listen, yes, he did have the loss, but that was moving up to 155 pounds. And, of course, Dustin Poirier is, is, is a monster. Um, all, you know, all those things. I mean, Max Holloway is an absolute, you know, animal. But so is Alexander Volkanovsky, man. He really is. And I, I've been very high on Alexander Volkanovsky from the start, man. I mean, his fighting style, yes. Um, but his his mental strength, man, and just mm. like the, the real confidence. I always talk, you know, about the people that you can tell are trying to hype themselves yeah. up versus the people that really, truly believe in themselves. And uh, and I believe Alexander Volkanovsky, man, he just has that that mindset, especially right. And he presents a little bit, you know, different style, a little bit different wrinkle for Max Holloway. And I'm... I'm very intrigued by this fight. Yeah, you actually hit the. I, I think the biggest part of this fight for me is that sometimes, as you say, I even let's say, not to bring him up again, but Colby, I don't get this sense, this awe-inspiring like Colby Covington believes he's going to walk through. I, I think he knows he's going to be in a fight and he could win. When I talked to Alexander Volkanovsky, I even said to him at today's media, I was like, dude, you have an an aura of like, yeah, this is undeniable. This is just the way it's going to go. And I found more often than not that when you see those guys. McGregor on his rise through featherweight when you see those guys with Adesanya these unflinching waves of confidence more often than not they seem to triumph the interesting thing with this is Max is like I'm so happy he's that confident I love fighting confident guys and that's a great dynamic because I think Max is a fighting champion. He loves he loves these sort of challenges. So this, I think, from top to bottom, this is probably the most interesting. I don't know how this fight's going to go. You know, I think this is the most captivating fight for me that I'm looking forward to on a sporting level. I really am too. And, and you mentioned man Volkanovski. You mentioned the name Adesanya. You know, you mentioned Dan yeah. Hooker. I mean, man, that crew that they're building down there. Uh, and, and the guys that are all working together and getting better, it's 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 incredible. And I think not only 
physical in terms of you know what they're capable of doing in the cage, but the mental side of it as well. I love the matchup. It's my favorite matchup on the card. I think you've got two guys. Max Holloway hasn't lost as a featherweight since 2013. Connor fight, right? Volkanovski hasn't lost since 2013. That's amazing. 17-fight win streak he's got coming into this. And his last three fights, he beat Darren Elkins, which is no mean feat. You don't beat Darren Elkins easily. Nope. And then he takes out Chad Mendes in an unbelievable fight. Mm -hmm. he, he, he basically Chad Mendes, Chad Mendes. Yes, he did. And then he... he he took Jose Aldo to the cleaners. Absolutely, absolutely took him apart. In Brazil. In Brazil. That doesn't happen, right? <laughs> and, and you know, just touching on, on, on what you said, Oscar, about about uh, Alex's confidence. It, he, he's very, very confident, but there's not a shred of arrogance to him at all. No. I'm he's not going out there saying, I'm better than him here, I'm better than him. He's just, he's just saying, I know, I know I've got this. You know, I know I've got this. And you've got these two guys and... I started out my, my scrum with him saying Max has built his career by going in there and breaking people's spirit just wearing them down over the course of three rounds five rounds just just almost like death by a thousand cuts sort of approach yeah, just yeah. keep going keep going keep going until they just can't take it anymore but the thing is Volkanovski can do exactly the same thing they're very different stylistically in terms of how they approach it but they've both got that relentlessness to them and I can see it going all five rounds, and they're both gonna. I think they're both gonna. It's gonna be one of those fights where they're both taking selfies in 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 the hospital corridor. <laughs> it's gonna be one of. I think it's gonna I be. Agree. One, I think it could be one of those, and I've got a load of time for both guys, and I, I'm siding just with Max, just because I think he's got more championship experience in terms of the five round fights. But I, I'm absolutely not putting any doubt on Alex Volkanovski. If he wins, I will not be in the least bit surprised. It is that, it's almost a coin flip fight for me. I Right now, I, I, I turned in my official pick as Holloway because it's hard to pick against Holloway, and I feel like yeah. I've disrespected him so many, too many times. <laughs> ah, fresh, fresh beverages being delivered. Fantastic. Not the usual kind. Unfortunately, no. But we'll get to those <laughs> shortly. Uh, but, no, but I, you know, I, I, think I, might be, uh, I think I might be making my switch to Volkanovski. Oh, you're I, switching. I, yeah. I, I, just think, I also do wonder that I think one day Max – his days at featherweight are going to be over and we won't realize that until he's in a fight and the weight cut's been too much for him. And it just happened. I just think one day he's going to just be like, oh, the body didn't react well enough and, and then he's not going to fight as well and then someone's going to beat him. Um, and dude, I, every t every, I think it's every fight week I look at Max and go, oh, he's got a big cut. You yeah. know, even today I was like, oh, he looks big, he, he looks tired already. Um, there's no reason to believe that he can't make the cut yet, but I do wonder one day if he's just going to come in a step below because of that and whoever he fights, possibly even Volkanovski, will be the one to take advantage. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Seth. I, mean, I think this is going to be a long, drawn-out fight, man. I think it's going to be tough. I think both guys are going to be tested. I think both guys have that heart. Both guys have that, that will to continue pressing on. Um, I, I think, as crazy as it is to say, I think I'm more intrigued by this fight than I am even for Covington and Usman. You know, even though that Covington Usman has all that rivalry and that emotion behind it, and stylistically, man, I think, you know, it's it's intriguing to see their, the way their styles clash. To me, Volkanovski and Holloway, like, I, I just don't even know what I'm going to see. And because of that, like, I'm super intrigued. Yeah, I think I, I think on face value, you'd, if you had to make a guess, you'd be like, well, I could see it looking like the Holloway... Uh, Frankie Edgar fight mm -hmm. just from stature alone but then when you think about it more you're like well actually Volkanovski's got the reach on Max which is bizarre which is so bizarre and then you, you'd think that possibly from an athletic standpoint Volkanovski's got a like, rugby background he could be more athletic than Max so I, for me I think this fight comes down to who can dictate the pace earliest if Max can start off like he did against Ortega and just blaze through and not let Volkanovski get in there I think Volkanovski in for a long night 
But if Alex does what he did to Jose, where he can just shut him down and dictate it himself, this is the other way around. I mean, Max throws a lot of punches. He's, he's a volume striker. He throws a lot of punches. He doesn't knock people out with individual shots. And I think Volkanovski knows this. And I think Volkanovski is quite happy to walk through stuff. He did it against Jose Aldo. And I think he'll be more than happy to do it against Max Holloway. He's going to get hit a lot mm -hmm. in this fight. He's going to get hit more in yes. this fight than he's ever been hit in his whole career. But I think he knows that he's going to have to weather that in order to, to just mix things up. He'll, he'll be going in. He'll be throwing big hooks, shooting, standing back. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be giving him lots of different looks. Max is going to just look to walk him around the ring. And I don't think he's going to find someone backing up. Volkanovski no. is just going to plant his feet and, and yeah. meet him head on. And I think If Volkanovski's backing up, he's in trouble. Yes, and I don't think he plans on that. No, <laughs> it's not in his psyche. I just, yeah. don't, I just don't think he'll do it. And and you know, saying about being more intrigued by this fight, coming where I come from, and it's it's one of those where the Usman Co the, the Usman versus Covington fight has the potential to be basically a a, a ground a, a gritty ground based war for as long as it goes. That's a very polite way of saying hugging yes. against the cage for twenty five minutes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the dirty secret about Usman yeah. Covington, right? right. Said, with all the hype behind it, I mean, I think it could it'll be, be a technical battle. Five rounds, yeah. right? It'll be a technical battle, but I think for for like casual fans that are expecting like, oh, these guys hate each other, so they're gonna murder each other. Yeah. Like, uh, might not be one to rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Holloway versus Volkanovski is going to be a knockdown, drag out, just slugfest right you know it might be on it might go to the ground for, 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 for bits I think most of it is going to be standing and it's just going to be an absolute war I mean you know we could we could get a, you know a featherweight equivalent of the old uh, Robbie Lawler Rory McDonald fight it oh. could, it, you you're picking this up a lot Simon you could potentially look very foolish if Max just goes out there and tactically outclasses him if he does all power to him <laughs> I just I just think this has got the potential to be one of the great featherweight title fights we've seen in recent years. I would agree with that. I'm excited like about it. it. All right, listen, I did have a few minutes today with uh, Alexander Volkanovsky as well. He's always been kind with his time. I've enjoyed following his career from the many trips down to Australia when uh, he was kind of fighting down there, and now he's made it up to the big time, challenging for the title. And I think what is going to be a fantastic co-main event here is uh, the great Alexander Volkanovsky. Well, Alex, you know, I've always been impressed by the air of confidence that you have in your in your whole career. When, when did you really believe and know, though, that, like, I, I am, you know, world class, I can be a UFC champion? Confidence, not cockiness, eh? So that's it. I've always been confident. Uh, but, I mean, them last couple of fights really did boost my confidence even more. So you always try and look confident and feel confident, like I always sort of was, but right now my confidence is on another level. So, uh, obviously... You know, there's fights that really did boost, but I mean, what really did obviously was that the last one without it, just purely because I had to change my game so much and stick to a game plan and all the way through the, the three rounds and, and I was able to do that. To completely change my, my type of uh, style, just to adapt to a, a, a fighter, one of the greatest of all time. And I was able to do that and get it done, you know what I mean? That just really proved to me that we're on another level, you know what I mean? And that, that just made me be like, Man, Farah, I reckon stylistically, usually you'd say that was a harder f fight for me than even the Max, when you look stylistically. But I mean, Max is a great champion, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm expecting him to be a tough fight, but at the same time, man, I know I've said it, I'm the, I'm the man for the job and I really do believe that. And I get to show the world that um, in, what, two days? Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, I know you've had your eyes on the top of the division for a long time. So how long have you really been kind of studying Max and breaking down Max and preparing a game plan for Max? Man, well, it's been uh, a while now. So obviously, straight after our fight, 
uh, the fight, or well, I got news that obviously he was fighting. What's his name? But I was like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to go there if someone doesn't, if someone's injured, I'm taking that title. So uh, I was training for him back then. So how long ago was that? Straight after my, my fight, uh, the boys were breaking. They were probably breaking. The coaches were probably breaking him down like even earlier than that. But you know, we we found things that he's really good at. You know, not only you know, obviously everyone keeps asking me, oh, did you see things that Poirier done really well? Um, against the Max that you can exploit and stuff. Yeah, we've seen that, but we see things that Max does really well that we can nullify, that we can, you know, break down and stuff like that. So there's more than just more than just doing what people have had success, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But again, the, the thing that uh, makes me different from the rest is where Max is so good, just, I just don't think that works for me. And you're part of this kind of groundswell from the Anzac region, man. It's, it's, it's incredible what's going on down there. What's, what's the secret? What, what are you guys doing down there different that's, that's bringing you to the front right now? Mate, we've always had good athletes, you know, and, and on our side of the world. But, you know, now that we're really starting to get them getting into the MMA. So you're going to see more and more great fighters and talented fighters. Again, you can see that the level of fighting is, is right up there now in Australia as well. So we're, we're not only good athletes, we've got the good camps. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we, we know we've got the knowledge and uh, again now you're just going to see more and more of us. You really will. But I mean right now we ain't just numbers in the UFC like we are taking over. Have you gotten any direct advice from, from Adesanya? I mean he has elevated to superstar status and handled these moments so well. I don't mean so much maybe tactically but just mentally you know how to go in. Have you gotten advice from him? Um, no, I wouldn't say advice but I mean like just being being around it, being around him and all that sort of stuff. Again, we're a team. Like he's still, he didn't have to be at some of the sessions, but he's there helping the boys, me and Kai. Uh, you know what I mean? And just, just man, like honestly, just letting him know that we're all like it's a team, no matter how high or low you are, and that you got everyone's got your back. Um, even just seeing that, you know what I mean? It sort of humbles yourself, and it sort of bees like, all right, let's do this, no matter you know who you are. Like you know, we got we got jobs to do, and I don't know, you just. Like, like I said, obviously people don't get to see that side of him, but um, you know, just seeing that he's still just a regular bloke. But look at the things he can do. So we're just still uh, the same kid. Like you know, what I mean, the vibe was the exact same in their camp as well. The the boys uh, were absolutely unreal for my camp, mine and uh, Kai's camp. So the vibes were really good, and uh, I'm going to take that into this fight. Yeah, so the last thing for me, I know you said that you're the man for the job. How do you get this thing done? I mean, is this a fight that you can go out there and get a stoppage, or do you feel like you, you got out working for 25 minutes? Mate, it can go it can go either way. But the thing is, uh, obviously, with my my last one, I had to play it a little bit more safe and I had to work around things. Where this fighter don't, and this fighter, he's going to put himself in positions where yeah, he needs to try and break me, right? He needs to work his game. He's going to try and land them jabs on the outside, but you know, he might do what he done with Frankie, but I'm not going to be so easy. So he's going to he's going to need to to probably put himself in a bit more risky situations, and that's going to make me be a little bit more dangerous. So. When people want to pour, pour that game on me, they're putting themselves in a position where I have to, I have to defend myself. You know what I mean? I have to put. You know what I mean? So this fight's going to be a lot more, a lot more happening. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, you know, we're both going to be trying to break each other's rhythm, uh, but at the same time, we're both not going to let each other take a backward step. If we're going back, we're doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's our own doing. Uh, same as me. If he's got me on the back foot, I want to be there. If I'm getting him on the back foot, I want him there. You know what I mean? So. And then when he wants to stand his ground, we're going to bang. You know what I mean? And then same same goes to, to him. So, mate, you're going to see fireworks, no doubt. Again, he's going to put himself in positions where he thinks he can maybe get a hand ahead, but he's going to run into a brick wall.
right, so that was Alexander Bogonovsky. Tall order on the table with Max Holloway, no question about it. But I do believe uh, we could be primed for the upset, so we'll see. Uh, all right, real quickly, the uh, the women's uh, championship out here. Amanda Nunes, the women's GOAT uh, against Jermaine Durandamy, who uh, is – despite the fact that it seems like everybody hates her. Truly one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, man. Buzzing today, wasn't she? Still she was bouncing around like the Energizer Bunny when I was interviewing her <laughs> today. She was all over the place. Uh, listen, this is a rematch of a fight we've seen before. It's tough, right? Because Amanda Nunes, I, I just I don't know who you would pick against Amanda Nunes right now. So when it's, uh, when it's somebody fighting Amanda Nunes, who's the women's GOAT, when it's somebody that she's already beat before as well, I, I think it, it – it, I don't know. I hate to say it, but it's hard for me to get really interested. Now, with that said, I do believe that, that Jermaine Durandamy has the ability to win this fight. I'm not, I don't feel like, oh, my gosh, she's so outclassed. I don't even know what she's doing in the cage with her. Mm. I don't think that's the case. I mean, she's a former champion. She does have some – especially on the feet, she can be very dangerous. Um but, but I don't know. I just feel like Amanda Nunes is operating on another level right now. So I don't want to discount Jermaine Durand. I mean, man, I think people disrespect her too much, and I understand why. You know, the, 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 the fact, you know, when you give up a UFC belt because, you know, you don't want to fight against somebody, I, people are going to hold that over <laughs> your head. And I, and, and I get it. I, I totally get it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't want to discount her because, again, she is one of the nicest people. She has a great attitude. Um, I, you know, I always enjoy talking to her, and I think she has real skills. I just feel like Amanda Nunes is operating on a different level right now. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we'll say about Durandamy is, and it's kind of something that's gone under the radar a little bit this fight week. There's been a lot of talk about Amanda Nunes shooting for takedowns. Mm -hmm. And Amanda has made no secret of the fact that she's quite prepared to do that. Now, that, for me, says that she's got a lot of respect for Jermaine Durandamy's striking. She's an undefeated, world-class kickboxer. And if you stand in the pocket with Jermaine Durandamy for long enough, she will catch you. And... Okay, Amanda Nunes is a power puncher and she can finish fights very quickly. I think if Durandamy gets in the pocket, it gets dangerous. And I think that's, I think there's, there's going to be an imaginary dotted line in front of um, Amanda Nunes all night. And the minute Dur uh, Durandamy steps over that, she's going for the takedown. Yeah. And I think, I think if you look at the fights that she's won against Cyborg, against Ronda, and, and maybe against Holly a little bit, um, Dev, she, she, she puts people on the very end of her punches. She doesn't fight in, the, in a phone booth. She keeps them at the end of her punches and fights at long striking range. Uh, being, a, being a kickboxer, Durandamy could throw a few kicks from there, but that just opens up the takedown even more. Sure. So if she steps in and looks to throw close range punches and can get in, that's her, that's her route to victory. But I just, think, I just think Amanda is too good. And the general rule of thumb I've, I've tended to work on when you look at a rematch, look at who won the first fight and back them to win the second fight quicker. That tends to, that tends to be a fair, a fair rule of thumb. Right. Um, and Nunes won in like three minutes, 56 seconds of the first round. Um, for Paddy Power, actually, in Ireland, I've, I've actually tipped Nunes to win in the second round, but that's because you've got excellent value on that. Right. <laughs> right. Five to Still one. Still working. Always working. Five to you. <laughs> yeah, there he is. I'm slipping Paddy Power there. <laughs> Yeah, but um, five, yeah, five, <laughs> five to one on a, on Nunes to win second round. So, you know, I like it. But yeah, he is such a whore. Yeah, he just can't help himself. <laughs> I, I actually think, uh, and nor can I do that. I actually think <laughs> that uh, I could see this fight being like we're getting getting into the end of round three, and it's like, okay, is Durandamy won like every round so far? You know, I can just see it edging around, edging around, and then Nunes just does something spectacular <laughs> in round four, and it's over. But I could see this fight being. 
Holly Holm versus Jermaine Duran was very close right. uh, and the rounds were you know sort yeah. of decided by 10 seconds here 10 seconds there I believe early in this fight we could have the same sort of story where Duran is just, just edging her just edging her but then I think Nunes, as you said earlier, John, you just can't really discount her right now. I did, you know, it's funny because Jermaine, she's not a trash talker by any stretch of the imagination. But at the athlete panel that we had the other day, the first of its kind, replacing the open workouts this week, uh, I, I think it was a fan question that she ended up answering, and she was like, "I know she won't stand with me." You know, it was kind of like I know that's not trash talk, but I think that was like a little little psychological yeah, bait. Yeah. You know, so like just, ah, just a little dead. I know. I, I know uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, I, I bet you won't. You Which won't. is crazy because imagine Nunes not wanting to stand there. Nunes murders people on the feet, so it just you know it is crazy, yeah. right? All right. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I think Amanda Nunes is uh, is the right pick here, and uh, it's just it's hard to pick against her. All right. Here's the, I mean, outside of the title fights. To me, intriguing as hell. Jose Aldo versus Marlon Marias, which, mm. first of all, today, by the way, we got to media day today, and uh, I, I mean, I don't really pay attention to the lineup itself. I mean, yes, the, the, the fights, of course, but, um, and it's not even a big thing, but it was just surprising me. Jose Aldo in the blue corner, walking out first, right? I mean, the former champ, the future Hall of Famer, uh, walking out first uh, against Marlon Marias. So, Jose Aldo making the move down to Bantamweight, and it has been all the story, right? I mean, everybody's talking about the pictures, and, and the pictures leading in. Some pictures looked worse than others. There's, mm -hmm. there's no question about it. Um, but Jose Aldo making this move to 135, a guy that didn't seem to have a whole lot of fat on his body to begin with, decides to make the move down to 135. Um, you know, did say in his interviews today that, look, man, this is the first time he's had a nutritionist. He's never r really focused on that. He's just kind of done whatever, and, and he feels um, that, you know, he's, he's going to make it and all that, but – um. All right, look, he had some energy today. I mean, he was smiling a little bit in our interview. Uh, he seemed confident. He definitely didn't have – I mean, speaking Portuguese, so I can't understand what he's saying, but at least the words are coming out. like mm -hmm. You know, like it didn't have like that pasty mouth or like it's, you know, slurring or anything like that. That was okay. But, I mean, if you, if you watch the videos that are out there, if you see the, the thumbnail that we have up on, on MMA Junkie, I mean, there's no question like – sunken in you know mm -hmm. the, the the cheeks were very very sunken in um and he had a, a hoodie on the whole time yeah. and he never took it off for the face off nope. for the interviews i mean he was covered head to toe and i you know okay on the on the one hand you could say well i'm sure he was trying to keep his body temperature up because he's trying to cut weight and all that i think maybe he was just trying to cover up so people yeah, didn't really I just I, see him. I definitely see I mean, he's very gaunt. I mean, his cheeks are very, very sunken in. And I think uh, there was an element of like, uh, I don't But To be honest, I actually found Aldo interesting because he was almost defiant. He was almost, I think I interviewed him first today. I was the first guy to get yeah, to him. Yeah, you were. Um, and I'm sure he loved that Mac Life logo just coming right up on the, <laughs> right the, fourth, the year of, fourth year anniversary. And you, like, and, you were, and you were like, by the way, and, and I know this isn't the greatest. Because yeah. I was standing. I was this will only take 13 seconds, Jose. He's don't like, worry. He asked a couple of questions. He gets a couple of questions in. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil the party. He, he, he gets a couple of questions in. Oscar's like, and, you know, I, Jose, I, listen, I, I know this is not necessarily, you know, the, the yeah. greatest memory of all time. But this was such a spectacular moment in yeah. MMA history. For so at least one a, of you. Just a huge, <laughs> just a huge turning of the tide yeah, 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 yeah. oh, it, was, it was amazing yeah I felt bad for it but I was like you were a full on wind up wind God, up mode today I was on I had a few ones today but uh, <laughs> I found him to be defiant I found him when when I said you know why would you do this he said no and I said win or lose is this where you stay and he seemed sort of perturbed by that he was like no, no I'm, this is the first win on my way to gold at 135 so I think there's an element of 
if he's really confident that he's making this weight, he's probably bored of people looking at pictures and retweeting them and going, oh my God, he looks so awful. So I wonder if maybe the hoodie was, oh, fuck, I can't be bothered to deal with more of that. Right. So I think that's probably an element of it. Personally, I think I've seen Jose at like 145 looking really bad as well. Yes. And I've seen him, you know, really low energy. I couldn't sit here and say defi- definitively he was less en- had less energy today than no. I've seen at 145. But... I mean, it's obviously not good for him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's tough. And so, you know, you you put that and you, you encompass it all on itself just to move to 135. Right? Oh, okay, okay, okay. But then you look at who they put him yeah, against. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. And then, by the way, go fight Marlon Moraes. Marlon Moraes. <laughs> I mean, dude, like. One of the most concussive strikers in the yeah. division. I get it. Anybody on the UFC roster is tough. That is true. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I could find some matchups that are a little bit easier <laughs> yeah. than Marlon Moraes. Like, hey, if you're going to check yourself at Bantamweight, why don't we start you out here in the yeah. kitty end of the yeah, pool yeah, over yeah. here? Also, you know, just against someone who won't mercilessly knock you out if they have the opportunity. I mean, like, moving down from the featherweight division, he. He's actually stepped into a more competitive division, in my opinion. The bantamweight division in the UFC is arguably the best division in the UFC right now. It's true. They've got like top-to-tail killers in that in that rankings list, and I don't know. I mean, weird. it's such a weird decision. The popping right now. Well, I think he was always going to move to lightweight. That's the whole thing. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that makes more sense because at least, yeah, you're in there with killers, but at least you're in there replenished and healthy mm. and you haven't had to boil yourself I mean like with the hood on you mentioned blue Skeletor always wears blue <laughs> right and with the hood on he, and he looked oh, it, it, I looked at, I was worried when I saw him like I've seen the pictures and I thought I'll judge it if I, you know, sort of when I see him and I saw him walk in and then I was like I, I don't like if he looks like that now what's he going to look like tomorrow morning yep and yeah. I, you know, it's not going to be a pretty picture on that scale. The commission doctors are going to need to have a very, very close look at him. I might, you know, because oh god, can you imagine if he? Ma- oh, I don't even want to say it, but like, if he makes weight, then the doctors come look at him. They're like, well, this fight's not happening in New York. That's this fight wouldn't happen too. in New York. I don't that's think. true too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, Jose Aldo is a legend of the sport. I think he's, a, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer for me. He's a legend of the sport, and I think. The loss to Connor has, in the eyes of a lot of fans, probably overtaken and unfairly tarnished his, unfairly. his legacy. Massively. Yeah. I think he'll, be, he'll only be appreciated when he's gone, I think. You right. Know? He's I a, agree. He's a, he's a, uh, he had a 10-year ten, ten unbeaten run going into that fight. And he, he beat a who's who back then. I mean, th- th- there's one fight out there that I would be interested to see at Bantamweight, assuming he can make weight, and that's the Uriah Faber fight because there's obviously a long-standing rivalry between the two from the WEC days. That would be an interesting one, and I, I spoke to Uriah about that today. But uh, if he's, I mean, like seriously going in there with some absolute monsters at 135 pounds, I just, I think it's more dangerous for him from a health perspective fighting at Bantamweight with the guys in the bantamweight division than he would if he stayed at featherweight or if he moved up to lightweight. I agree. But then man. at the same time, there are also like fights you could see him. Like, I would love to see Jose Aldo versus Dominic Cruz. That'd That's be a, great. That would be a fun fight. But, and Dominic's not going to you know, put him in a hospital necessarily. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like, that's, those sort of fights, maybe. But I don't think I think we talk about this weight. Let's say he makes weight. Let's say he wins. I mean, how soon can he do this again? You know, his body's going to need a long time to get better. He's not as young as he used to be as That's well. That's true. Just like, can he make quick turnarounds? Is he available for big fights on short notice? Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of this feels like the time Anthony Pettis decided he was going to drop to featherweight. That, that's what a lot of this feels like to me, sort of. Uh, I'll go down, and then you know, then he actually didn't make weight, and then he even said after the fact, like, yeah, and no, that was that was a silly idea. 
I would love to know. I'd love to know what the overall UFC view is of this because we're in an era now where, particularly with the fighters in Vegas who, who and, and those who come to Vegas and make use of the PI mm-hmm. facilities, and we've been there and, and visited. And I, had, I was other than geeking out around the place, I was firing loads of questions at at the guys there about about how they. Uh, physically assess all these guys and how they can advise them f- to move up or move down in weight class and the rest of it. We're in an era now where guys are moving up because they're, you know, the, the old era of the wrestling-led yes. weight cutting right. is, has become a thing of the past because I think people have cottoned on to the fact that people didn't get smashed in the head when they were wrestling, so it didn't matter, right? Whereas in MMA, it's kind of an integral part of the sport, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So... Moving up and being being stronger and healthier at the weight is better for you in the fight, and it's better for your longevity as, as a career. Michael Chiesa will tell you that. You know, he's no he's benefited Why so he's much from moving up. So, and he was one of the one of the probably the first case studies you could take from the PI because I think he did all that through there yep. and through the con- consultation with them. They was like, right, this makes sense. We're going to do it, and it, he's he's doing. You know, he's seeing the benefits of that. While while that that's happening, Aldo is going the other direction. He's sort of zagging while everyone zigs, and I don't. But I think he's putting his health at risk, and I'm I'm genuinely concerned about this fight. Do you think when the PI get a call saying, "By the way, you'll be helping Aldo get to 135," they just sit there and go, oh. "Right, okay, thanks for that." Which we'll limb do does he need to. removed? You well, know, yeah. Which, you know. Well, I, listen. I mean, we're all hoping the best for him. I mean, uh, obviously, he's a legend of the sport, and, and of course, his health and safety is number one. I I think. Hell, even if this was a 145-pound fight, I think Marlon Marais is a yeah. tough fight, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So yep. when you're adding that weight cut on top of it, it is tough. I did get a chance to speak to Jose Aldo real quick as well. Uh, by the way, the great George Gergel was the one uh, doing the uh, translating there as well, so I figured I'd leave that all in there. If you speak Portuguese, you can find out if he was doing a good job or not, but this was <laughs> Jose Aldo. Well, Jose, less than 24 hours away from the weigh-ins, i got to ask, is there even one part of you that thinks, what the hell am I doing? Why did I do this? This was a terrible mistake. José, tá 20, 24 horas, menos de 24 horas da pesagem. Tem alguma parte do teu cabelo que você tá pensando, pelo amor de Deus, o que, que, que é que eu me meti nessa... Como é que eu me meti nessa história? Não, não, acho que a felicidade tá tão grande, cara, que eu tô bem tranquilo quanto a isso. Então, eu tô esperando amanhã cedo aqui. E, se Deus quiser, me espera aí que eu vou ser o primeiro a pesar amanhã. Guys, if you guys can see my face, everything went amazing. I'm really excited. I'm really anxious actually to fight and perform. So uh, as you guys see, I can I can make weight very, very easy. It's, gonna, it's been great for me. I feel great. Tomorrow morning, I'll be the first one on the scale. Nice. Talk about a decision to go to 135. I always thought that we'd see you move up to lightweight. So wh- why make the decision to go down to 135? Então todo mundo foi a favor, todo mundo viu com bons olhos, a gente está aqui hoje. Well, the original idea came from a sensei de Pedro He presented that idea to me. I was hesitant at the beginning because it was a struggle for me beginning to, to, to make 145. But I, we found a great team. I believe in my team. I trust my team. We got a nutritionist. I've been working diligently with the nutritionist. The weight cut has been the easiest I've ever felt in my life. I've never felt that strong, that fast. That, that it reignited a new Jose Aldo. The old Jose Aldo is dead. There's a new person. Give me new goals. I want to continue to make history and be a legend in the sport. Now we be the champion 135. Can you talk about the process? I mean, what is it taking? Is it just been about watching diet? Has it been about changing training, doing things different? What's the process been like to make this move to 135? Foi o processo principal da baixada de peso. Foi treinar mais, fazer mais cardio. Foi claro que foi a nutrição, né? Com certeza. Então a dieta para mim foi o principal motivo, assim, de até de pensar se eu conseguiria ou não fazer, né? Coisa que eu nunca fiz uma dieta, então nunca tive um trabalho com nutricionista lado a lado. Então esse no começo foi, vamos falar que foi difícil, mas depois disso 
foi a coisa mais fácil. Guys, a lot of said, I was hesitant again, but again, in my career, believe it or not, I've never had a professional nutritionist. So, yes, I just always did my weight cut. I used to have a steak a week before the fight. So, like I said, uh, it's knowledge is power now, and I've, I've worked with her, I worked with my team, and it changed everything. It ignited a passion. I'm the new Jose Aldo. I feel better than I've ever felt before. I, 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 I'm done training. I want to train more. I feel strong. I feel just as powerful, like I should have been in this weight class the whole time. So, again, the weight cut, having the help of the nutritionist made the whole entire difference. It's all in the nutrition. Talk about tactically as well. I mean, what kind of differences will we see, not just the weight? I mean, will that affect speed? Will it affect your approach in striking, grappling? What do you think we'll see differently at this weight class? Tu acha que tu mais baixo, mais leve, mais rápido, vai taticamente mudar tua performance? Muito, muito. Eu acho que é nisso que a gente fez o treinamento. Eu acho que eu tô muito mais rápido, muito mais forte, muito mais habilidoso. Então, a explosão tá lá em cima. Eu acho que eu tive um ganho muito grande, coisa que é, eu fiz um camp que eu nem imaginava conseguir fazer de novo, né? Isso eu só me lembro na época da WC, quando eu cheguei aqui com a explosão grande. Guys, this made me so explosive. I'm so, like I said, it reignited new passion for me to be a champion. The last time I felt this quick and this explosive, that's good, I was in the WEC so many years ago. I feel very young, like I feel young, I feel reborn, like a new Jose Aldo, and uh, there's the best thing I could have done. So I'm reignited, again, my passion to be it, and I'm not going to leave it. Mark my words, I'll be the next 135 champion of the world. So once he made the decision to go down, what do you think about the matchup with Marlon Moraes? I mean, was that a fight that he wanted, or, or did that was it one that he didn't like? What do you think about the matchup? Depois que você mudou para categoria de o que, que você achou que pediu? Como é que a, 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 a luta com o Arlinho chegou a acontecer? Então, eu queria lutar sempre com os melhores, né? Eu acho que tá no peso pena. Eu sempre pedi para lutar com os cabeças. Eu acho que isso não pode fugir de mim. Eu acho que eu sou movido a desafio, grandes desafios. E, primeiramente, a gente tinha pedido já o Cerrudo de cara, né? Então, logo em seguida, veio o nome do Marlinho e a gente aceitou. Well, from being a former champion and moving, moving from the weight class, I like hard fights, I like to challenge myself. So I want to go straight to the top. Since the is going through surgery and rehab, uh, Marlos is the number one seed. So which one is the fastest way for me to get my title, uh, to get my belt, is to be the number one contender. So that's exactly what I'm going to do, the new champs here. Nice. Of course, we've got three title fights at the top of this bill, but we've got him and another MMA legend, Uriah Faber, on this card as well. And both of you guys are facing young guys. I wonder if you feel like a little chip on your shoulder, like they're trying to test us old guys to see if we still belong. Yeah, perguntando também, tem três, tem três do título nesse card e também tá lutando o Ryan, vai lutar também, tu vai lutar também, e eles estão lutando com os caras mais novos, né? Tu acha que tu tá, tá representando a galera, os, os old gangs, a galera da, da, da escola velha, mas... Com certeza, né? Eu acho que a gente representa a galera das antigas, né? Então a gente tá por esse lado aí, eu acho que tanto eu quanto o Ryan tá com muita fome ainda, de vontade, a gente tem muito ainda para dar aí, a gente vê até o Cormier também lutando com mais idade, então o Rende Coutu foi um exemplo para todo mundo, então essa sim, pode ter certeza que a gente vai passar por cima deles. Guys, it's, we keep it old school and the OGs rule the world. You see Rene Rene always done how long he's fought. You see Uriah is still fighting, I'm still fighting. Uh, everybody fights a lot later how I feel. I live a very healthy lifestyle. So like, yeah, we definitely represent it for OGs and fight a lot harder. I like it. So what are we going to see on Saturday? I mean, both of you guys have fantastic striking, but you're well-rounded as well. So is this going to be like a, a, a crazy Muay Thai fight on the feet or is this going to be an all-around mixed martial arts fight? What, what are we going to see? Tem alguma expectativa se os dois são trocação, são trocadeiro? Uhum. A expectativa é das melhores, né? Então acho que esse estilo de luta me favorece bastante também. É, eu não fico preocupado com outros, outros fundamentos, então pode ter certeza que eu estou muito empolgado. Acho que o estilo, os fãs, todo mundo vai gostar dessa luta. Estilisticamente, guys, you're gonna love this fight because you know what? As I feel comfortable, I love to stand up. That's my thing. I like to stand up, so I feel very comfortable. I don't see any threat from him. He's a great kickboxer as well, but um, this is gonna be a treat for the fans.
was Josie Aldo. By the way, I was pretty proud of myself to get a little get a little smile out of him there to start with. And uh, yeah. Action heating up around us, right? Uh, over my shoulder. I didn't even know Simon Head was pointing out. You got Takanori Gomi back there kind of warming up. So you have Babalusa Brawl that was warming up as well. Of course, Gomi's going to be starting out with uh, Sean O'Malley tonight. So uh, it's, it's heating up, man. It's, yeah, we're getting close. Good. And if Gomi beats O'Malley, who does he get? Rumble Johnson. That's insane, man. And <laughs> if O'Malley beats Gomi, who does he get? Hector Lombard. I love this format. It's it phenomenal. You cannot beat it. All right. Uh, Uriah Faber versus Peter Yan. Another. By the way, it's kind of funny, right? Three title fights at the top, and then I feel like the main card is like uh, legend against yeah, new yeah, guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do they stick around or not? Peter Yan. Peter Yan is legit, and uh, I, I think he's you know the real deal. I think he's a future title challenger as well. Credit to Uriah Faber for being willing to take the challenge. We talked to Uriah the other day, and um, he said, listen, this, this name was not the only one given to me. I had some options, but Dana told me that this is the guy that's closest to the top, and I'm in here because I want to fight for a title. And if I could take that guy out, I believe I'll have a, a shot at a title. I know that will piss some people off. That they, <laughs> you know, I, know, I know there's people that think Uriah's had too many shots and Frankie's had too many shots and all that, but the guy is a legend. There's no question about it. And for him to be willing to take on the young stud, um, I, I think you got to respect him, but uh, this is this is not an easy ask for Uriah Faber. One thing I, I've, I sort of was listening to Uriah talk today, and I, I sort of realized this. Because he's the California kid, and he's so laid back, and he's all the surfer dude, I actually think it's pretty easy to forget. Uriah Faber's a bit of a badass, dude. <laughs> I, I actually, he, he's actually a tough dude. But, and it, it all sort of just came to a head when they faced off today, and they just, Uriah wasn't back in an inch back right. so it was Pro he, proper face it was Dana a real face off and you could just see the intensity in your eye and I, th I think I think your eye is a little bit pissed off at the moment I, I, I described this to someone earlier your eye is in this weird sort of phase now where he has nothing to prove he's an absolute UFC legend right. But he also does have something to prove that he's not past it. You know, he's and he can still compete. And I think so. He's in this weird spot where he's like, yeah, that's fine. Every fight you're going to say I'm out, but I'm going to keep winning. And he just has that sort of, he's got a real sort of feisty chip on his shoulder energy at the moment. I like it. I like that from Faber. I like it too. I mean, to come in against Ricky Simone, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of weird. You're like, ah, why does he have to fight the young guy? He's willing to do it. He wanted to fight in Sacramento, of course. And now, you know, he's taking on the guy that's unproven, but everybody says is the guy. Yeah, and Uriah Faber is now got the unwanted uh, chalice inherited from Michael Bisbing as possibly the best fighter in the UFC not to have won a UFC belt. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's basically the only thing missing. Um, he gets the asterisks of being a WEC, WEC champion, champion yeah. right? So, you know, it's it's one of those where I think he'd love to just cap his career with that and, and sail off into the sunset right. with a belt over his shoulder once more. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, he's taking on a hell of a challenge. I mean, Peter Yan's lost one fight, and that was a, a very, very hotly contested split decision because I watched that fight live, and I thought he won it. Right. Um, and he's he's an absolute savage. He's got top-draw boxing. Like, I don't mean, like, MMA boxing. He can actually box. Right. Right? If he, he, That's you how know, he started out, right? He right. started out as a boxer. Yeah, he's a top-draw boxer, but he's also... He's, he scrambles on the ground are really good. I mean... He's he's not like he's very hard to pin down. He's quite happy to shoot for takedowns. He'll mix things up. He's scrappy, but he's all, he's got power. You know, for for a small guy, he carries some serious punch power. And um, I think if he, uh, well, Uriah seemed to think that if he gets past Peter Yan, he may well be in line for a title fight. I think Peter Yan is nailed on for a title fight if he beats Uriah Faber because I, I would think so. Um, and uh, you know, I think he's. He's got, a, he's got a cheeky little personality about him, which doesn't always come through in interviews. You have to ask him the right questions to get it out of him. 
because he doesn't speak English. I think he understands English. It's, uh, it's almost like the old Anderson. Barely. I think it's the old Anderson Silver's in jail. No, I think, it's not that much. You're giving away too much credit. I think he understands a little bit more than he lets on. But, um, but yeah, I, I think he's, he's got a little bit of a cheeky personality there. He, he looks to me like he's enjoying this and he wants to get himself out there a little bit. And he's won potentially one win over a legend away from getting himself a title fight. Super excited for this fight. Um, obviously, I'm you know one of my one of my gigs. I'm working for a Russian outlet. They're super interested in this fight as well. There's another one. Another plug <laughs> over here, man. Anyone anyone playing uh, Simon Head Bingo yeah, right yeah. now? You can check that one off the list. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm really excited for this fight. I've, as I say, I've watched him come up through ACB, where he was one of the most exciting fighters on the European right. scene, and I, I really was looking forward to someone picking. It. I really hope the UFC picked him up. He uh, he beat Teruto Ishihara and has not looked back since. And uh, they've given him a couple of tricky ones. Like Douglas Silva de Andrade at the time was on a bit of a tear. Yes. And he, he finished him in two rounds. John Dodson's like trying to bottle grease lightning. He caught up with him and beat him over three rounds. And Jimmy Rivera's nobody's fool and he beat him. So, you know, he's, he's, he's beaten the guys he's needed to beat to get himself there. And now Uriah Faber is, is the marquee win he needs to take him over the top. And I'm... I'm I'm picking him to win, um, and I think I think he probably will. But I think, you know, a lot of people, including the bookies, are massively, massively underestimating Faber. It's, a, it's such a fantastic. It's a closer card. fight than, than than a lot of people, but I do think Yan gets it done. I am uh, I am super interested. I love this main card. All right, briefly, guys. Uh, ESPN two prelims. We got four fights there. Love this lineup here. Jeff Neal, Mike Perry could be absolute fireworks. Irene Aldana, who has looked phenomenal as of late against Ketlin Vieira, who a lot of people thought was kind of sitting in a number one contender spot anyway. She's going to get in there uh, and, and look to solidify that position. Omari Akhmadov, who uh, is just a, a, a tough dude, to be honest with you. Just hard to look good against. Against Ian Heinish, uh, a, a kid with a great backstory. And then, of course, the veterans going at it. Matt Brown versus Ben Saunders. Guys, pick pick one of those that uh, that you're most intrigued by. Uh, well, I would love to say Mike Perry, Jeff Neal, because Mike Perry, in my opinion, is one of the most insane human beings yes. around, even if it's not intentional. But, dude, I think every person covering this sport, when Mike Brown, Matt Brown, excuse me, Mike Brown, Mike Perry, Mike, when Matt Brown walks into the room, you go, oh, yeah, he's, he's Mike Brown. Yeah. You know, he, the guy just brings, like, there are some technical, like, Israel Adesanya is an artist. People like that, you know, Addison Silver in his prime is an artist. And then sometimes you just got tough. Yeah, that's Brown. I love it. Love it when he fights. That's gonna be a great one. And Ben Saunders. Yeah, he's, he's no slouch either. Exactly right. He'll go in there and do it. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I can't. I can't look past Jeff Neal, Mike Perry. I mean, um, I was talking to uh, Oscar. Uh, sorry, not Oscar. Albert. We both Al- just screwed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was talking to uh, Albert for the UFC, and uh, they, he said, "What you know? Which fight on the undercard is is the one?" I said. You know the judges can go and have a pee break or, and, and, and do what they want in that fight because, yep. and obviously this means that we are going to have a dour three round decision because <laughs> I, I am, am notoriously a Jonah in these things. Jeff Neal versus Mike Perry. I'm saying it now is going to be like November. It's going to be a like firework night. It's going to mm-hmm. be crazy. New Year's Eve comes early. Everything goes mad, and uh, someone someone's going to wake up looking at the arena lights. It's going to be spectacular. Both of those are going to be fireworks. I like the women's matchup as well. Arena Aldana, she came in with a lot of hype. You know her uh, in the Mexican boxer. A lot of people were excited about her. She had some kind of setbacks along the way, uh, but she's been really on fire as of late. I think she's been looking good. The one fight that she she lost was via split decision. That was I, I did think it was the right decision, but I think it was a very close one uh, against the undefeated Ketlin Vieira. So I think that's going to be a key fight in the women's uh, game, and I think that's going to be uh, entertaining. 
Company as well. And then, of course, it kicks off all on ESPN+. And we said there's intriguing matchups here. Chase Hooper, the, the, the teenage dream coming at it against Daniel Tamer. Kai Car France against Brandon Moreno. Vivian Araujo versus Jess Guy. And Oscar Pijota versus Puna Soriano, who's based out of here in Las Vegas. Simon, any one of those that you're, uh, that you're most looking forward to? Daniel Tamer is a crazy man. He is a crazy um, man. He is and, a crazy um, man. I, you know, it's, it's going to be a real test for Chase Hooper. I mean, he's, he showed plenty of composure up there on the stage. We mentioned it earlier on in the show. Daniel Tamer is going to go at him like a bull at a gate. It's going to be crazy. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, the you know, the first fight of the night, Puna Soriano versus Oscar Piacciotto. I mean, I, I remember Oscar winning the Cage Warriors title, coming out of nowhere. First fight in Cage Warriors, beats Jason Radcliffe in like a minute to win the, to win the Cage Warriors title. It's like he won the lottery, but then he won it again because he got called up to the UFC for his next fight. Uh, and he's struggling to find his level at the moment in the UFC. He's got Puna, who's obviously come up through the Contender Series. That's a, that, you know, that's a good, a good matchup. That's a good bit of matchmaking, that. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one as well. Oscar, early uh, prelims? Uh, for me, I think because we go and cover the Dana White Contender Series live, some of those guys stick in your mind. I remember Chase Hoover sticking in my mind. I yep. was like, this guy's tough, you know, because he looks... Like Sean O'Malley's little brother, basically. <laughs> I actually, it like, I think he uh, he does he does something. So it's uh, it, but it's something like something pretty cool about it. a guy who looks that diminutive. Someone tries to make him flinch and he doesn't move a muscle. I like that. But I also like Kai Kara France as well. And, and, you know, he's part of that Volkanovski crew. And I really think, as you mentioned earlier, John, they're building something down there. Yep. And they've got a real interesting mindset. They all really back themselves. So he's an interesting one to watch too. I'm, t I'm telling you, man, this, this, this lineup is stacked. And for me, man, Vivian Araujo wasn't even in the UFC to start this year. She came in, had a bantamweight debut, got the, the, the huge knockout. Then she came and beat a ranked fighter. Now she's facing a former title challenger. I mean, she wasn't even in the UFC to start the year. She may be talking about a title shot. She's able to beat Jessica I, Brandon Moreno. I love that kid against Kai Carr. I mean, I'm telling you, this, this, this lineup is stacked top to bottom. So uh, looking forward to it. That will be Saturday night. In the meantime, listen, we're getting close to showtime. Uh, by the way, I'm just going to peel back the curtain a little bit. We're not really going to be working during this thing. We're yeah, going to be having a couple frosty beverages and watching some grappling. So I'm going to be a just fan tonight. Just to wet tonight. the whistle. Yeah, just to <laughs> wet the whistle. I'm going to be a fan tonight. So uh, everybody's getting loose. There's Jay-Z Cavacante walking by. Everybody's kind of getting in place. So uh, I think it's time for us to go hit the bar to wrap up here and just tell everybody, thanks for listening.